in the form of a teaching poem, wisdom is personified and warns that security will come only to those who listen to her counsel. The first reading this morning comes from the book of Proverbs. Wisdom cries out in the street. In the square, she raises her voice. At the busiest corner, she cries out. At the entrance of the city gates, she speaks. How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? Give heed to my reproof. I will pour out my thoughts to you. I will make my words known to you. Because I have called and you refused, have stretched out my hand and no one heeded. And because you have ignored all my counsel and would have none of my reproof, I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when panic strikes you, when panic strikes you like a storm, and your calamity comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you. Then they will call upon me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but will not find me. Because they hated knowledge and did not choose to fear the Lord, would have none of my counsel and despised all my reproof, therefore they shall eat the fruit of their way and be sated with their own devices. For waywardness kills the simple, and the complacency of fools destroys them. But those who listen to me will be secure and will live at ease without dread of disaster. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. The psalm that has been appointed for this morning is Psalm 19, to be found on page 4 of your worship booklet. Please stand if you're able and sing. Yeah. 
Teaching is a gift that comes with great power. James recognizes this and warns his disciples about the importance of careful speech. A reading from the book of James. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers and sisters, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For all of us have made many mistakes. Anyone who makes no mistakes in speaking is perfect, able to keep the whole body in check with a bridle. If we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we guide their whole bodies. Or look at the ships. Though they are so large that it takes strong winds to drive them, yet they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great exploits. How great is a forest set ablaze by a small fire, and the tongue is a fire. The tongue is placed among our members as a world of iniquity. It stains the whole body, sets on fire the cycle of nature, and is itself set on fire by hell. For every species of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature, can be tamed and has been tamed by the human species, but no one can tame the tongue, a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless the Lord and Father, And with it we curse those who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth comes blessing and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and brackish water? Can a fig tree, my brothers and sisters, yield olives or a grapevine figs? No more can salt water yield fresh. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Holy Gospel of our Savior Jesus Christ, according to Mark. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Jesus went home with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. 
And on the way he asked his disciples, Who do people say that I am? And they answered him, John the Baptist, and others, Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. He asked them, But who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, You're the Messiah. Jesus sternly ordered them not to tell anyone about him. Then he began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the chief priests and elders and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. He said all of this quite openly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. He called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. But what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Those who are ashamed of me and of my words in this sinful and adulterous generation, of them the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeeming. Amen. Please be seated. After his baptism by John, Jesus was driven out into the wilderness for 40 days, where after that hard, harsh 40-day period, he was tempted by the tempter himself. He was tempted to be less than he was. Tempted to be less than he was affirmed at baptism. You are my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. He was tempted to do less than he would eventually do, as the one who did not count the quality of God a thing to be grasped, as the one who would empty himself to be born, to live, to die, to die, so that people would not have to be separated from God ever again. He chose the better way and did not turn stones into bread. He chose another way and did not throw himself down from the heights of the temple in some display of power over the natural order of things. He chose the way of God and did not try to receive from the tempter what was God's to give or not to give, all the kingdoms of the world. And now in our gospel for today, Jesus is tempted again. This time he's not alone. He's not vulnerable in terms of body and physical needs. He is vulnerable in that a friend, one of the closest, tempts him in a way as the tempter had not ever done. His vulnerability is that he's blindsided by Peter. People say many things about me and about who I am. Whom do you say that I am? You who are the closest to me. You who have heard what I have taught, seen what I have done. You that know that in me and through me 
The blind see, the lame walk, the deaf hear. The poor have good news preached to them, the dead are raised up. Whom do you say that I am? No one answers except Peter. Peter the impetuous one. Peter who often, so often, thinks, acts before he thinks, acts without thinking. Peter who goes, goes off on rampages and then returns the repentant lamb. It is Peter who blurts out, you are Messiah. In Matthew's Gospel, Jesus compliments Peter by saying what Peter had discerned has not come from anyone, anything that anyone has told him, but from God. Then in that Gospel, as well as in Luke and Mark's Gospel, our Gospel for today, Jesus explains what Messiah is all about. He will undergo great suffering. Messiah will be rejected by the chief priests and elders and scribes and be crucified, killed. He will rise from the dead after three days. He says all of this quite openly and very plainly. Then Peter, that great friend and companion, the first among equals as a disciple, becomes even more dangerous to Jesus than the tempter himself had been in the wilderness. No! God forbid it. This will never, must never happen to you. Peter has become as the tempter in the wilderness. He's thinking thoughts of man and not thoughts of God. He's thinking of kingdoms on earth and Israel being restored as the first and the foremost and the greatest kingdom under Jesus, who alone will bring Israel to, to her greatness. Greatness as Peter would understand greatness. We're told in the Gospels that after the third temptation in the wilderness, Jesus said to Satan, Be gone. We're also told that Satan left in a, until a more opportune time. This is that more opportune time. And Peter is that more opportune person. And Jesus' response to Peter, the same as it was to Satan. Be gone. Get behind me, Satan. Jesus is not fooled by the voice of the tempter, nor is he fooled by the voice of a trusted friend. Peter rebuked Jesus when Jesus' explanation fell short of what he expected Messiah to be and to do. He and others had, bought, had made great sacrifices to follow Jesus. Things are beginning to pay off. Jesus has been working wonder after wonder, and crowds are responding rather nicely. The twelve see great possibilities ahead, and some either even by to sit at his right and left hand when his kingdom is established. Understandably, they prefer a Messiah that promises success. Success as they understand success. Death on a cross is a hard sell. What Jesus tells the disciples very plainly is not what they expect, what they envision, or what they want, or think that they want. We have a little bit different perspective of Jesus than they did at that point in time. He's the risen one. The one who sits at the right hand of God, 
who continually intercedes for us on our behalf. How do we respond to him as he fails to meet our expectations? Peter at least stayed the course with him, even after rebuke and denial. And Peter was changed. Will you and I stay the course? In one of our old Eucharistic prayers, remnant of the 1928 prayer book, Prayer of Humble Access, we pray this. Forgive us for the presumption of coming to this table, Lord, for solace only and not for strength. For pardon only and not for renewal. Forgive us for coming to this table for solace only and not for strength, for pardon only and not for renewal. God always has more to give than we can ask or imagine, does more for us than we can ask or imagine, and you and I presume in expecting less. We presume in not imaging and imagining more. We presume in not expecting to be changed as opposed to expecting events around us to be changed. What's going to be our response? Whom do we say he is? Whom do we expect him to be for us? Forgive us, Lord, for the presumption. The presumption of expecting less or nothing at all. When you have everything to give and will give everything at all. Forgive us, Lord, for the presumption. The presumption of asking for help for things which affect us but do not change us. Forgive us, Lord, for the presumption, the presumption of wanting change only on our terms. I won't presume to say how it is with you, but I will say how it is with me. My expectations are far too low and really accomplish nothing at all. I need to, to grow into expecting much, much more. What about you? Probably isn't.